0: Morning, either online or in person, we welcome you to our ongoing study of the book of James, a sermon series entitled Faith Plus Works. This morning we are in the middle of the final chapter where James is giving his concluding remarks of what is a letter filled with practical instruction concerning what is living, what is a living, what is living a genuine faith. Before we go any further, let us pause for prayer. Our Lord and Father, we thank you that you have spoken and that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us through the prophets of old and through the apostles like James and through our dear and through your dear Son and our Lord Jesus. We realize that in all things you are forming your people to be like Jesus. You are one. An only Son who became flesh and lived here on earth among us. May we believe and may we live in such obedience as to bring you all the honor and all the glory that is due unto your name. In your high priestly prayer, as recorded by the Apostle John, you said, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. That they may be sanctified in truth. So, Father, we ask you as our Lord prayed on our behalf that you keep us from the evil one. And that our lives would truly be sanctified by you who is the way, the truth, and the life. Help us, O oh Lord, that when, as we speak, we speak as those who speak the very words of God. Help us that as we live, that we will live in such a manner that you will receive all the glory forever and ever. These things we pray. Amen. Amen. I have titled today's sermon, Yes and No. Today's sermon text is from James chapter five, as mentioned earlier, and, in, and is but a single verse. It's succinct and to the point. James five twelve reads, "But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven, or by earth, or by an any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you may not fall." Under condemnation. At this juncture, I am tempted to say amen, unless just all go home. <laughs> I, I, I cannot imagine how it could be clearer than that. While I believe that this to be one of those texts that is very clear, the fact is that many people, and particularly the legalists, wish to suggest that the emphasis of this text is that it's an absolute prohibition of taking oaths or about not making any sworn testimony as is in the case of a court of law. One can be easily tempted to think in such a manner, given our propensity to become legalists. However, that view is clearly problematic, given the many times that God himself swore by himself. For example... Genesis 4, 24, 7 reads, Abraham is speaking to his servant when he says, The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son there. In Revelation ten five to 6, the Apostle John speaks of an angel given a sworn declaration. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives on the throne forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and all what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there be no more delay. Revelation ten 5, 6. So in the first book of the Bible, and in the very last, we have, we see sworn testimony. Oaths given by God himself and angels. And angels, In the scriptures, we not only find God making oaths, swearing by himself countless times. We find persons like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joseph, Joshua, David, and Solomon. Along with many other, even groups of people, taking oaths and making sworn testimonies. Even during his trial... Jesus responds to an oath placed on him. Here's the account in the Gospel of Matthew. But Jesus remained silent. I'm reading from Matthew 26, 63 to 64. But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, I adore you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power, coming in the clouds of heaven. James is clearly, James clearly cannot be saying that taking oaths and giving someone testimony is now a prohibition. So what then is the thrust of this text? Aren't we left with the obvious that we are simply to let our yes be yes, let our no be no, so that we may not fall under condemnation? In other words, and I put it to you, what James is saying is that in our everyday language, we are being called to trustworthiness, speaking the truth, living by the truth, and being about the business of keeping our word. When we become trustworthy among amongst ourselves, there will be no need to swear at all, for we will be known as people of character and we will be known as people who speak the truth and live by the truth what we what we say can be taken at face value what we can be trusted as such we will mean what we say and say what we mean further we will live in accordance to what we say it is important to note that james in this passage is recall is recalling the words of jesus likely spo- la- likely spoken to his disciples on many occasions, but in particular, as recorded for us in Matthew chapter 5. Here are the words of Jesus. Again, you have heard, I'm reading from Matthew five thirty-three to 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, Do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than that comes from the evil one. In Jesus' day, and it's important to understand it, in Jesus' day, The scribes and the Pharisees held to the idea that as long as you did not swear by God himself, that is, by invoking the name of God, that you were not bound to keep your word. The idea was that if you you swore by heaven or by the earth or by the great city, such swearing could be excusable if... Circumstances presented themselves where it became difficult to keep your word. To swear by God himself, however, was to mean that no matter what happened, you were to keep your word. That's what the Pharisees perpetrated. Jesus puts this entire narrative and thought pattern to rest. Jesus indicates that all swearing and all oaths are spoken that are spoken are done in the presence of God. If anything, Jesus raises the bar. He expands on this by saying that a simple yes and a simple no are sufficient to bind you and your word. So in terms of everyday language, your words are to be the truth and to be God-honoring at all times and without exception. Pause for a moment of reflection. How recent did you say to your spouse, your children, a fellow believer, a friend, a colleague, I will do this or that? Or perhaps to the negative, I will not do this or that, only to violate those words within a week within a day or even less than an hour for Jesus a simple yes and no are sufficient to bind you to your word now back to the book of James it's important again that we understand the context of the entire book of James James entire emphasis is how faith how works relates to faith this is his recurring theme and he circles back to this time and time again. Faith without works is dead. Here's one example. In chapter 2 verse 26, he says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. James 2 26. A yes is not a yes unless it is followed by action. A no is not a no unless it is followed up in action. James tells us to let our yes be yes and our no be no and to let that be genuine. Both yes and no are to mean precisely that, yes and no. No ambivalence, no forked tongue, no misdirection, no obscurity in an attempt to overemphasize the obvious. I think we would all agree that it is extremely important and goes without saying that we ought to be about the business of knowing the things that we should say yes or no to. There are two main points that I wish to make concerning what James is getting at in today's text. If we are to be trustworthy, credible, or known to be people of character... Consider the following that are a must. Both of which require, listen, both of which require tremendous amounts of time and energy. Number one, meaning what we say. The scriptures themselves are God's revelation to us. God has chosen to make himself known. Condescending to us, So that we can understand who he is. Who we are. And how we are to live in response to the revelation. The scriptures. And all of it. Were written to teach us. Reprove us. Correct us. And train us in righteousness. To complete us and equip us to do every good work. As Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16-17. Hence. Meaning what we say will require... Two things. So I have two sub-points. One, knowing the Word. Saying yes and no is more than simply affirming things that we will do or not do. We need to know the truth, the things that we ought to affirm and not affirm. So before we get to the matter of working and living out our faith, we must know the Word itself. Sadly, Few of us spend any time in the Word, relegating the Bible to the shelf to collect dust. Knowing the Word goes a very long way in guarding us against affirming things that are not true, which helps us to guard against making promises, involving ourselves in things we ought to stay away from. Knowing the Word helps us to discern and distinguish between things that are sound and fine, that sound fine and innocent but upon further examination are in fact not there are many fine sounding positive encouraging and uplifting memes, sound bites, cliches messages and teachings that are swirling around in Christian circles and they go largely undetected some of which have no biblical support whatsoever Some are even diametrically opposed to the scriptures themselves. I'm sure you've heard some of them. Who of us has never heard the following? God loves everyone unconditionally. Or, in order to love someone, you must first learn to love yourself. Or, it's okay to be okay. It's okay to not be okay. Do any of them sound familiar? In each, of this stu- in each of those statements, there is a hint of the truth. But a hint of the truth is not the truth. Let's examine each for a moment. God loves everyone unconditionally. God is love, no doubt. God is benevolent towards all people, sending the rain on the just and the unjust alike. The people of the earth are able to see and benefit from the beauty of all that God has created. To be... To be in sheer awe of such order and beauty. As such, God's benevolent love is on all people. And yes, God does love unconditionally. But that unconditional love is only for those whom he chose. The same being those whom he has directed his steadfast love towards. His elect. David, in the Psalms, speaks often of God's steadfast love to his chosen people. God's saving and unconditional love is directed to those who are his own. Listen to Jesus' words in his high priestly prayer. John 17, starting with verses 9 and 10. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. This is Jesus praying to the Father. For they are yours; all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified them. And continuing in his prayer, verses twenty-two to twenty-four, Jesus prays, "The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be, them, meaning his disciples, his chosen ones, and they may be one even, and they may be one even as we are one. I in them." and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory, and that you have given me because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. Let's examine the second In order to love someone, you must first learn to love yourself. We all heard that one, right? Alright. As for loving yourself, you will not find a single verse in the scripture where you are told you ought to love yourself. Such a verse does not exist. In fact, the very message of the gospel is a message that asserts that man loves himself too much already. Already. For that is the essence of sin itself. Thus the warning of Paul when he says in the last days people will be lovers of themselves. Second Timothy 3.1. In today's culture there is an enormous thrust and push towards self-fulfillment, towards self, self-fulfillment, self-actualization, self-empowerment, self, self, self. And we in the church have unwittingly embraced some of this as if the church exists. Listen to this? As if the church exists for its members' own glory. Each person's fulfillment, actualization, and empowerment. Get the idea from some churches that that's what they're about. Is that why the church exists? Isn't it for the glory of God? The giving of our self to God and to our neighbor. The Apostle Paul reminds us where our focus ought to be. And he says, in, sorry, the Apostle Peter, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers over a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling as each has received the gift. Use it to serve one another. As God's stewards... Of of, as, as good shorts of God's grace, buried grace, whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. That's First Peter 4, 8 to 11. And what about the saying, it's okay to not be okay? Listen, living in sin is not okay. Thinking ourselves okay when we are sick is not okay. Believing the wrong things is not okay and in fact, may be perilous. For instance, thinking yourself a believer because you said a prayer of confession is not okay. That's an illusion perpetrated by many. There is so much, there's no such prayer in the Scriptures anywhere. Genuine faith is one that produces repentance, a turning away from sin and living in such a manner that God is honoring God is being honored where Christ is Lord. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the truth. And so whenever we reference Jesus, we are called upon to affirm the truth about who He is and what He said. Meaning what we say will, as said earlier, require two things. The first being knowing the Word. And now the second, wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to, to use good judgment, which very often is in short supply. And it is so much so that James himself, in this book, addresses the matter directly and very early in his letter. Very, very early. Verse 5 of chapter 1 reads, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Wisdom is very important for all of us. Having a, having a relatively good grasp and understanding of reality goes a long way in helping us avoid many pitfalls in life. God provides wisdom to those who seek him for it. I must admit, there were, there were many times that I moved forward when I should have paused to ask God for wisdom. But thinking myself capable... I forged ahead instead to my own chagrin. I made commitments that proved exceedingly difficult to keep and gave my word when it was virtually impossible to live by it. Of course, I wouldn't have realized it at the time. Fortunately, and at some other times, there were those around me that insisted that I not move forward with things that I wanted to do and their wisdom and advice and counsel help keep me out of harm's way wisdom has a stabilizing factor of realism it does not get carried away by emotion or by coercion it restrains and limits it limits us in such a manner that we are able to live by the truth wisdom results further in the continuing Uh, Wisdom results further in, and continuing on, chapter 1, verse 26, the bridling of the tongue. In moments of extreme emotion, we can say things that are most ridiculous. Committing ourselves to things that we ought not, be it moments of elation or despair. Herod in high spirits made the mistake of promising his daughter Anything up to half his kingdom, after she danced so well before his guests. After consulting her mother, she requested to John, the, the head of John the Baptist, on a silver platter. The mouth often gets us into all manner of trouble. Do I hear? Amen. Be very careful with the things you say during times of heightened emotion. Be it good or bad emotions. Careful attention may be the thing that, pre- that preserves your character and reputation. The mouth which speaks for the heart is capable of gargantuan size, boasts. Things unrealistic and even preposterous. The prophet Isaiah speaks of an occasion when he saw the Lord, Isaiah 6. And his immediate response was one of confession. Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, Isaiah 6.5. As we come to know and grow in the grace of the Lord, the more we become aware of how much we lie. Listen to that again. As we come to know and grow in the Lord, the grace of the Lord, the more we become aware of how much we lie. Lying is what the flesh does. Yes, in reality, is no. And no, a yes. The mouth distorts, maligns, misconstrues, concocts, slanders, flatters, deceives, and misleads. It creates false images of self that, wants, that it wants others to believe. And it's in that very context that James says that you are yes, be yes, and you are no, be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Which leads me to my second main point. Living by what we say. Living by what we say can be encapsulated by two main subpoints, the first being: living according to the word. Given the overall theme of James, the emphasis here is that we are to be doers of the word what the word says, and he does not leave this doing up to our own machinations, huh? OK? You don't leave that up to us about what those things are. Apart from all the things already mentioned, but that I already mentioned, let's review some of the things that James says that we ought or ought not do. To be joyous, joyously steadfast fast under trial. Persevere. Chapter 1, 2 to 4. To cease with being double minded. 1, 6 to 8. To put away all filthiness and wickedness. one twenty one to care for those in need, 127. In chapter 2, we are told no, not to be partial, to give to the needy. In chapter 3, we are told to tame our tongues, to live in meekness. In chapter 4, do not be friends of the world with its covetousness. Continuing in chapter 4, to submit to God, to not speak evil of one another, to be mindful of God's sovereignty, to be patient. These are some of the specific things that James mentions that we are to be about doing or not doing. But sadly, most people merely Sunday after Sunday, Bible study after Bible study, seminar after seminar, continue to be hearers and not doers of the Word. We come, we listen, we leave, and we forget what we heard. Brothers and sisters, this ought not be... But there's yet another aspect to living by what we say. And that is, second point, living according to your own word, to our own word, to my own word. Again, I, remain, I remind you what James says. Listen to it. But above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, either by heaven or earth or by any, or any, or any other oath, But let your yes be yes and your no, no. So that you may not fall under condemnation. Each time we say that I will do this or that, we do so in the presence of God. Parents, how many times have you said to your children that you will do this or that? And fails to do it. How many times have the hearts of the little ones, of our little ones, been crushed by the whims of simply changing our mind? While we may not have said the words, I promise, inherent in the words, I will, is in fact a promise. Instead of a yes, it was in fact a no. Husbands, how many times have you told your wife that you will take care of fixing that leaking faucet or you'll wash the dishes and yet fail to do so? How many times have you disregarded a commitment because something came up at work? all because you exercised the prerogative to change your mind. Worse, perhaps you even felt justified in changing your mind because she upset you. So instead of your yes, remaining a yes, it became a no. Imagine what our life would be like if God treated us in this fashion. Retaliating every time we sinned and failed him. boy, we have some trouble on our hands. Children, by the way, I did have wives, and then I decided to back out from that one. <laughs> <laughs> I literally did. I mean, I thought I said, this would be a good one, but eh uh-huh, not gonna go there. That one would have hit too deep, it just wasn't going to go there. But anyway. So so ladies, mothers say just pass, you get a pass, okay? (laughs) Children, how many countless times have you said that you would do a chore or your homework and repeatedly failed to do so? How many times have you mouthed off the very ones you were commanded to honor? Now, I'm addressing us. We... Bahamians. And I say we. Bahamians. All. And I mean every one of us. How many times have we said that we will be somewhere at a particular time? And I mean this, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. How many times have we said that we will be somewhere at a particular time? and failed to do so. As if that is not the breaking of our word. We even have an expression now called Bahamian time. Which means whenever I show up, we, when I speak to the believers, we, Bahamian believers, see no problem with consistently failing to show up on time. We say, yes, I will be there at 2 p.m., and in reality, we show up at 2.15, 2.30, 3 o'clock, or even later, and and then wonder why the other persons are even upset. Imagine that. We fail to do what we said we would do. And then we want to cop, out, cop an attitude. Wondering what's their problem. Brothers and sisters. The Hamians. We are. But that doesn't legitimize us failing at our yes and our no. Listen. I'm not picking on anyone in particular. I don't have nobody in mind. Please. I have nobody in mind. I do also live in the same world where my flesh wants to excuse myself from keeping my word. That's not a world. We all live in that world. The point being made here is that we as believers are called to realize that when we speak, we are speaking in an Ever presence the ever presence of God who is listening to every single word we say. We consistently fail to do what we said, that we will do or not do in our marriages, with our children, with our brothers and sisters in the Lord, with those who we work with, and with strangers alike. Truth be told, we not only break the word of God, but we break our word to each and to each other over. And repeatedly, and, this, and in so disappointment mount and pile up on top of each other until we either live in dismay, listen to this, like, you get at a point where, like, like, where somebody says something to you and you like, like, well you know, you know that don't mean that. We either live in dismay, and, or with a general sense of distrust, nobody keeping their word, or until the other walks away Having been disappointed once too many times. Failure to keep listen, failure to keep our word destroys relationships. God is a promise keeper. His love is steadfast and never ending to those whose faith and trust are in him. Listen to what listen to the words of David in Psalm 103, verses 8 to 13. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow through anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Praise the Lord. Nor pay us according to our iniquities. Thank you. For as high as the heavens is above, the earth so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him as far as the east is from the west and as far, uh, so far he does, and as the as east is from the west so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Imagine for a moment that God will like us. Changing his mind and altering his plans for us at every time. But thanks be to God, his yes is always yes. And his no is always no. Always. Every now and again, we come across persons who, when they give us their word, it is as good as gold their yes is a yes and their no is a no I was fortunate to have a father like that if he said it you could consider that a finished deal and while even he on the off and most rare occasion may have been distracted and forgotten he always circled back to keep his word he did what he said he did what he said he was going to do and if he ever failed in the moment he owned up to it without excuse, and then did that. Then did that. That what he said he would do, and he remained faithful to my mother for the entire marriage, without the slightest hint of unfaithfulness. That's how the people of God are called to live. By the way, I'm not trying to brag on my father. I just happened to have had a very good one. We ought to be able to trust each other, but that requires that we are trustworthy ourselves. And should we fail, we ought to confess our sins to the ones we have failed. We often say yes and no. May our yes be yes, and our no be no, so that we may not fall under condemnation. For those of you Who do not know the Lord know this God is a word keeping God who says what he means and means what he says he is not like us who fail and he has said that whoever believes in him is not condemned whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he is not believed in the name of, of the only son of God John 3.18 God has spoken he has commanded that all believe his word is true he is trustworthy he does what he says he will do and so I leave you with these, the words of Jesus as recorded in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. Mark 1, In keeping with Jesus, I declare unto you, we declare unto you, repent and believe the Gospel. And in so doing... Let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you as well may not fall under condemnation. Let us pray. Lord and Father, help us in our weakness. We thank you that your yes and no are in fact yes and no. We confess that we are, nearly, we are not nearly as like you as we ought to be. May our yes and our no be yes and no. And may those who do not know you come to trust you and believe in you and come to understand that your yes and no are indeed that. And that you have promised that to all who believe that you will grant eternal life. These things we pray in your holy name. Amen.